This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. So, we are continuing talking about authority, talking about authority in the church, and I'm going to begin a series on it's self-explanatory. Violating authority affects lives. Violating authority affects lives. And I want to make it clear to you what the subject matter that I'm dealing with is. It's about God's house. Whose house? Let me hear that again. Whose house? God's house. I'm not talking about the American system. I'm not talking about the system you have at your workplace, the system that your employers have set up. Listen to this. I'm not really even talking about your home. I'm talking about God's house. I'm talking about the church. This is the authority that we are dealing with. This is the authority I am dealing with. Authority in the church. Authority in God's house. You know how it is in any man's house? He does it his way. So this is God's house we're talking about. And remember when we talk about God's house, he has his own order. He has his own alignment. We're not talking about a physical building. We're not talking about a physical place. We're talking about a spiritual order. And we're talking about a spiritual alignment. I want to remind you, when we talked about that, we talked about that alignment in his house. That that alignment in his house... Is threefold. Relationship. And I want to make sure that this is clear, even though I believe we, we made it clear at the time. You know, we relate to one another on different levels, but I want to make sure you understand what I mean when I say relationship in God's house. I'm talking about that familial relationship. I'm saying your child, he's father. I'm saying we're family. I'm saying when Christ says, I'm not ashamed to call you brethren. I'm talking about when we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we're able to cry, Abba, Father. We are related one to another in this house. You know, it's, it's good to remember that, that we are related. We be family. And there's not only relationship, but there's also fellowship. So we relate not only on a familial level, brothers and sisters, child to father, we relate on a fellowship level. Oh, if, if I could explain this in one word, it means not only are we family, it means we love one another. Oh, that, 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 you lost that all together. It means we're tight. All right. John put it this way. Our fellowship truly is with the Father and with the Son. But if our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, our fellowship has to be with you. Amen. And God related it to us this way. He not only calls us his children, but he also identifies us as friends. That's in his house. In his house we have the, I'm telling you, it's a privilege to know that he's my father. I'm his child. It's a privilege to know that not only am I his child, I'm not his estranged child. I'm not somebody he says, well, you know, that is my child. No, no, there's love there. There's true fellowship there. 
that we want to enjoy the relationship, we want to enjoy the fellowship, but there's threefold in this alignment. There's relationship, there's fellowship, and then there's authority. Those are relationships on three different levels. And they all are important. You cannot leave one out of his house. That's his alignment. We're children. We're known as friends. But there's also authority. And never forget, authority doesn't mean you have a close relationship. Let me hear amen. Someone in a position of authority doesn't have a stronger relationship. Because someone's in a position of authority doesn't mean they have stronger fellowship. You know, you can have the same relationship, the same fellowship as anybody who is sitting in a seat of spiritual authority. That's awesome. Because sometimes we get enamored with people and we think that people enjoy something that we can't enjoy. But that's not the case. But there is authority in this house. Now, when it comes to authority, and I like how Jesus put it. He says, you call me Master and Lord. He said, you're right. You know, a lot of times we want the Savior, just save us. When we're feeling bad, we want that fellowship. Make me feel better. But he has to be Master and Lord. Because that's who he is. The same one who said, I'm not ashamed to call you brother, says, but I am Master and I'm Lord. The same one who says, you know, I don't tell everybody this, but I tell friends this. He still is master, and he is Lord. And you know how it goes? This is typically how it goes in the church. We rejoice in the relationship. When it comes down to it, I brag on being a child of God. I get excited about that. People start jumping, shouting. That's when they want to sing. And when you're feeling down, then, he, then he's a friend to you. We rejoice in the fellowship. But when it comes down to the authority, we don't tend to rejoice in the authority. And I'm going to tell you, you ought to. One of the reasons we don't rejoice in authority, and I'm not saying everybody, but generally this is what goes on. We don't rejoice in the authority because we, we understand this. We've taught this, but we also understand this. What's our responsibility when it comes to authority? We know that we're not the authority. Our responsibility is to recognize authority. And how do you recognize authority? You submit and obey. And so a lot of times people's mind goes to submitting and obeying an authority. Like somebody thinks they're the boss of me. Somebody's trying to tell me what to do. So why should we rejoice if we're commanded to submit and obey? Because, and I want to say this right, God is the benefactor. And you are the beneficiary from the Father's line of authority. God's the benefactor. You are the beneficiary of God's line of authority. Remember where we started? In 2 Samuel chapter 7? If you're not familiar with that, I advise you to go and read through 2 Samuel chapter 7. That captures me every time I read through that. David had a heart 
to build God a house. And God said, whoa, slow down. I'm the one who works. And he told David this by the line of authority. Establishing his house in our mind upon his authority. And you see what he does for David? He takes care of David. He treats David well. You've got to go back and read that. It starts out by saying David recognized that God had given him rest. And in all honesty, can I paraphrase what God says? You ain't seen rest yet. Till I'm done. I can hear David singing the song that we just sang. I worship you because of who you are. You are good. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I don't believe David had any issues with the line of authority after he heard the word of God for him there. I believe he rejoiced in that. Hebrews chapter 13. Turn there. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17. A passage of scripture we are familiar with. Says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls. As they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Do you hear what's going on here? God has an established line of authority in the church, and that line of authority is for your good. That line of authority is for your benefit. They watch for your souls. Why? Because that's the heart of God. Psalm. Chapter 23. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Psalm 23. Verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I'm in a place that doesn't always go my way. Sometimes times are hard and rough. That's why I have to press sometimes. But I will not fear because you're with me. And what, he's, what does he say? Your rod and your staff. Those are references to authority in, this, in the life of the person who wrote this. In your confession, this ought to be your belief. I won't fear because his authority, which watches after me, which is for my good, that gives me comfort. This is one of the reasons why I prayed that way before we started. God, I want to see the way you want us to see. We want to have the proper view of authority. The intent of this series of teaching on authority, I'm I'm going to put it this way. The intent of this teaching is so that you can properly value the authority in God's house. So that you can properly value the authority in God's house. 
Let me say it again. So we can properly value. Not just with a show, but really value. Because I don't think that we really understand in mass how valuable authority is to our life. I just don't believe it. This is not about honor. Because we can honor without actually valuing. Let me say it again. We can show honor. That doesn't mean we value. It means we've been trained. So I want us to properly value. The ministers want you to properly value. Our pastor wants you to properly value authority. Again, honor is not bad. But that doesn't mean you value Remember, authority is God's principle to protect our lives. We miss protection, having the wrong value system when it comes to spiritual authority. What's my subject matter? Whose house? I'm not talking about this American system. I'm not talking about your workplace. I'm not even talking about your home. I'm talking about God's house. When God protects your life, you're protected. And listen to this. It's critical to value authority and not restrict your value of authority to only those you prefer to be in authority. You know how we are. We don't mind certain people being in authority. Other people, ah, I don't prefer them so much, so I don't cooperate as much. Because I really don't value authority. See, here's the thing. Authority and the person in a seat of authority, that's not the same thing. See, people come and go. But it's God's authority. Let's just be real, right? This is what happens to churches. For the longest, all we knew was one pastor. So everyone here is like, oh, that's pastor, right? But now we have a second pastor. And some preferred the first pastor over the second pastor. And so some value the office of pastor because someone else was in it, and they don't value it the same now that somebody else is in it. This is the problem with churches all over this nation. I don't know about other nations, but all over this nation, this, this is what we do. We value a person. We don't value authority. And so what happens when you change pastors? Because I value that individual and not the authority. I change churches. I want you to properly value authority in God's house. We'll get there. Now. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 16. The subject matter is violating authority affects lives. Now, I do want to give you, I know that Mr. Rodriguez went over different types of violations of authority. I want to talk about categories of violation of authority. 
different categories. You'll see what I'm talking about. Different categories. Second Samuel chapter, I mean Numbers chapter 16, because that's where I turn to. Second Samuel, Numbers chapter 16. So when I talk about violating authority or violation of authority, I mean we fail to recognize authority. That's plain and simple. We fail to recognize authority. That's violating authority, not recognizing authority pushing right past authority like they're not even there. That's a violation of authority. But there are different categories, right? Category number one is aggressive and open rebellion. Aggressive and open rebellion. Numbers chapter 16. Huh. Well, uh, yeah, I guess we have to read through verse 1 through 4 just to begin with. Now Kor, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Pileth, sons of Reuben, took men. They rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. They gathered themselves together against authority. Moses and against Aaron. And said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. Every one of them. You know, they're not saying, we want to help you out. You're taking too much on you. Like, no, 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 you're doing us wrong. Okay? So, they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy. Every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Look at this in verse number 4. And when the authority that God set up heard it, what did he do? He didn't rail on them. Didn't go off on them. Why is there authority? Because God is the benefactor. And you're the beneficiary. But they didn't value authority. And so they didn't recognize authority. They violated authority. And they did it pretty brazenly. In your face rebellion. What you doing? You should not be over this congregation. And Moses recognized, you know what, I'm not here for your evil. I'm here for your good. And not even because I want your good, but I'm on the assignment of God to be good to you. So what did he do? When Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. You know what he was saying. He was praying to God, God, let me work with them. They don't know what they're doing. They they don't understand what they're missing out on. They don't understand the injury that they're doing to themselves. Now jump down to verse 12. So here Moses is. He's trying to do what he can. Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Iliad, which said, No. That's what it means. We will not come up. No. Moses, let me talk to you. No. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether prince over us? You're killing us. I know how we say, we don't have this kind of attitude. Well, you don't act that way. But you can still have the wrong value of your authority. 
people think that authority is out to hurt them. The same people that they're talking about, oh, they don't like me, they don't love me, they're praying for you. They're entreating God on your behalf. They see you doing injury to your own self, and they're not saying, ah, that's, they, they, they deserve that. They're saying, God, have mercy. God, open up their eyes. They're not seeing properly. Give me a word in season for them. If it's not me, send somebody else their way. They can understand. But here they are in their mind. You're killing us. Verse 13 again. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that flows with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Mm -mm -mm. Now, again, here's the thing about it. Understand, in the wilderness, there was no other church. So what do we do? We just go. (laughs) But these attitudes, if we had to stay, they'd come out like this. So category number one, aggressive and open rebellion. I know we think we're better than that. Category number two, silent rebellion. Not boisterous. Not in your face, but not cooperative. Turn to the book of Joshua. You're in numbers. You don't have to go too far. Turn to the book of Joshua. Chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. This open, aggressive, in-your-face rebellion. Then there's a silent rebellion. Sit back. I don't have to say anything. I just don't have to do what they say do. It's between me and God, is it? Okay. Joshua chapter 6. Look at this in verse... Oh, boy. You know about the walls of Jericho. If you don't read Joshua chapter 6. But... Here we we have it. We're we're in the middle of this now. Verse 16. It came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people. Who said unto the people? No, no, you're going to have to cooperate with me. Who said unto the people? Joshua said unto the people. Okay? So Joshua speaks. Now, Now, who is Joshua here? Moses, God's servant, is dead. And now Joshua is in the place in the seat of authority where Moses once occupied. Now, I'm sure some people preferred Moses over Joshua. I'm I'm sure certain people liked the way Moses did things, and they were so accustomed to the way that Moses did things, that they weren't so valuing of Joshua. But it wasn't Joshua they were supposed to value. It's God's line of authority came to pass, the seventh time, when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, 
she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed, when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So this is Joshua speaking, but he's speaking under authority. So he says, God's given us the city. Everyone understood that, but then here comes the story and says, wait, 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 but, but, but the city's a curse. And all the stuff you want to keep stays for God. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. So look at chapter 7, verse number 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing, for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. What did he do? He did what Joshua said, do not do. He didn't make an open show of it. He didn't get a gang of people together and say, ah, oh, let's, let's get riled up just like Cor and Dathan and On and Peel. Let, let, let's do just like they did. No, he, he kept to himself. Very silent. Not boisterous, but not cooperating. Went and did exactly the opposite of what he heard Joshua say. I, I want you to get this. Please, please get this. This is what we have to learn. I cannot say this any other way. God speaks through the line of authority. That's how he speaks. That's how he speaks. In Genesis, don't turn there. We have Adam, we have Eve. And the serpent approaches Eve. And Eve eats of the fruit of the tree that they were told not to eat. Who told Eve not to eat it. Adam. But whose command was it? So for God to get his word to Eve, he sent it through Adam. That's how he is to set it up in his house. He now speaks through Christ who sends the Holy Spirit who ordains men that they may give you what God said. It might be Joshua speaking, but it's God's command. It might be your pastor speaking, but it's God's command. That's why you need to value not the person in authority, and you ought to value them. But the highest value needs to be on the office. Because through it, you get what David heard. Not the exact same thing. But I bet you had no issue when Nathan, the line of authority, came to him and said, God is going to be good to you. The problem is, just like we heard over in number 16, we get impatient. Wait for God. Oh, that's a word. Wait for God. Let me tell you why many people are in an impatient situation now. Because they never waited. You don't have to shout me down because I'm preaching real good right now. You want to say, why am I in this situation? Think back to where God did give command. Oh, I thought it was so and so. 
I thought it was brother so I thought it was sister so and so. I thought it was minister so I thought it was pastor so and so. No, it was God, and you went and you did just like Achan. And then wondered, where did this trouble come from? Learn a lesson from your past troubles. You didn't wait then, wait now. But the children of Israel committed a trespass and a cursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerob, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. God was mad. Why? Because it was his command. Though it was Joshua's voice, it was God's command. Look at this over in verse 19. Joshua 7 and 19. And I like this. You may not like it like I do, but I do like this. And Joshua said unto Achan, my son. See, he's still being quiet at this time. But Joshua's like, ah, I heard God. I heard God, Achan. Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord, God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Oh, this, this is powerful to me. You see, because sometimes we think it's hidden from everybody. They don't know. Ah, but they're on a mission from God. And you think it's hidden from everybody. All of a sudden, here comes up one Sunday. The message comes out, and you get hit. Because God has been witness. And you think you're dealing with men. But this is God's house. And he has a word for you. It's God speaking to you. That conviction, that's God speaking to you. And it comes from the line of authority. And you know, I believe he has to do it that way sometimes. Why? Because our friends say the wrong things to us. They always say the nice stuff. But there are times when we need to be corrected. So he set up a line of authority whereby, oh, I don't want to hear it, but you heard it. <laughs> but I like this from Joshua. It's like, I heard from God, it's you. <laughs> Go ahead and just confess. Confess to what you did. Categories. There's that open, in-your-face, aggressive rebellion. Then there's that silent rebellion. You sit there, you come every Sunday, but you're not doing nothing. You're not obeying the Word. You're not putting it to, to action. You sit up there, you raise your hands, and you... And wonder why things are the way they are. Third category. Omission. Omitting godly authority from what you know to be important decisions. Sit right there for a second. This is violating authority. This is not recognizing authority. I have important decisions in my life life-changing. And I know they're life-changing decisions. And I omit godly authority. In other words, I'm not seeking out godly authority in the times I need help. 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1. So there's aggressive and open rebellion. There's that silent rebellion. But then there's omission. We don't think about this as violating authority. 
but because we don't value authority, we seek out other help in the time we know we need help. Say amen if you understand me. Okay. Um, okay. Second Kings chapter 1. That's chapter 2. Second Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Then Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. And Ahaziah fell down through a lattice in his upper chamber that was in Samaria and was sick. And he sent messengers and said unto them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover of this disease. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise. Go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a god in Israel that you go to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord. Remember, who's speaking here? It's Elijah's mouth. But God has a word that he needs King Ahaziah to hear. So how does he speak? He speaks through the line of authority. Verse 3 again. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say unto them, Is it not because there is not a God in Israel that you go to inquire of Baals above the God of Ekron? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not come down from that bed on which thou art gone up, but shall surely die. And Elijah departed. This is the rebellion of omission. Here it is. In my troubled times, I seek everybody else except God's line of authority. Amen. This is something that we let slip by us too often. And what happens is when we are well, when all is fine, we hear this like, yeah, 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 yeah. But when the rubber meets the road, and when it is critical time, you'd be amazed how many people don't recognize authority and follow this. They don't seek out godly authority. Of all the inputs and of all the opinions, you don't seek out spiritual authority in God's house. Mm -mm -mm -mm. I, I'm really, I feel like Moses who wants to fall on his face. You don't know the damage you're doing to yourself. Listen to this. What happens when you do go for other opinions and the opinions differ? What do you do? No, 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 no. You say, okay, the doctor tells me this. The doctor says I need surgery. I'm going to go to another doctor. And that doctor says, no, you don't have to have surgery. You can go this route. Now, there are going to be some side effects because of it. What do you do then? 
y'all have a plan? You got to wait to figure out which one is right for you? Or, or do you just, oh, here we go. When we omit godly authority from our decision making, it's called leaning upon our own understanding. Oh, no, no, you're not hearing me. Because what we will do, we will call the doctor a crackpot. Call him crazy. That ain't nothing but the devil. You're leaning on your own understanding. And and, trust me, here's, here's the thing about it. I don't know what you think. God is going to do, but he has a house. You're not hearing me. He has a house. And in this house, he says, this is my order. This is my alignment. Here on out. This is it. You're waiting for Elijah to stop you on the way. It's not happening like that. You got a church that you call home. What church do you go to? And you name us. And God is like, that's right. That is where I placed you, and that is where you're going to hear from me. Again, so you get differing opinions. You know what you need? You need a word from God. How's God going to get that word to you? That's why we're teaching you this. It's going to come through his line of authority. In his house. Remember the title. Violating authority affects lives. And we don't consider this violating authority, but when we leave out spiritual authority, it has an effect on our lives. Here you are. Let's say you're at some crossroads, whatever the crossroads may be. And you really are, I mean, it's hurting. It's on your mind day and night. Keeps you up at night. So here you are. You're a Christian. What are you going to do? You're going to pray. You're going to pray. And you're going to pray. And you're going to pray. But you need to hear from God. So what do you do? You wait. You pray and you wait. You pray and you wait. You're waiting for a word from God. But I want to make sure you understand this. Oh, I want to make sure you understand this. Sometimes our understanding is way off. It really is. Yeah, you are his child. Yeah, you are in fellowship with him. But he's going to stick to his line of authority. So what do we do? We stay at home thinking God is just going to give us an answer at home. Oh, you understand me. We just sit there thinking God is just going to give us an answer right there. But what happens? Oh, God teaches us some things. He'll have you come in here. A word will be spoken. It seems like it doesn't apply to you at all. And so your mind is still, but I want to hear a word about this. I want this specific situation to be addressed right now. You don't even understand God is addressing it. 
And so we go off and we're like, that's not what I needed to hear. What does what what forgiveness have to do with my situation right now? See, you, you, you're, not, you're not, God is speaking to you. He's giving you that line of authority. No, they're wrong in that. I don't need to forgive. No, no, no. Why don't you just listen? I'm, I'm telling you, I, I've come across this before. People don't associate their disobedience in one area with why they're suffering in other areas. And if they, all they would do is just recognize authority, if they would just recognize authority, <laughs> then they could hear the voice of God. And here's what I believe. If you had a track record of recognizing authority, then you'd have a clear-cut answer what you've been laboring in prayer about. Oh, y'all aren't getting this. Y'all really aren't understanding this. God is really trying to help us out here. See, what we do is we get in tight spots and we want a specific word about that tight spot, but we have a track record of not recognizing authority. How? No, no, I'm in church. Yeah, but there's silent rebellion. The word is given, but I won't cooperate. And then in my times when I really do need a word, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, but I can't hear from authority because I never did. And now I recognize, now I understand why there's omission. Because we never value authority to begin with. What do I mean? I mean, we can be regular churchgoers who have, take many notes, can quote scriptures, but aren't doing the Word. And it's no wonder when we do come across those crossroads that we don't seek out the house of God first. And even if we do, we don't hear properly because we never did value authority. I want to tell you right now, Without a word from authority, you're not hearing God. Without a word from authority, you're not hearing God. You are not. Let me say that again. Without a word from authority, you are not hearing God. You might be hearing something. You might be hearing a spirit, but it's not the spirit of God. Omitting God's delegated authority, I told you already, it's called leaning to your own understanding. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 5 reads, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. When you stop leaning on your own understanding, then you occupy the position of trusting in the Lord. Uh, you're not hearing me. I really want you to get this, especially when it comes to omission. When we don't go to spiritual authority, we're leaning upon our own understanding. And we think we know something and we really don't know anything at all. 
we're trusting in our own understanding at that point in time. But if we would submit ourselves under the hand of God through his spiritual authority, at that point we're trusting in the Lord. But I understand, God forbid, that we trust in the Lord. Oh, wow. God forbid that we trust in the Lord and the Lord says something we don't want to hear. Jeremiah chapter 42. Jeremiah chapter 42. The intent is to get you to properly value authority in God's house. Jeremiah chapter 42. Maybe that's why people don't go. Maybe that's why people do violate authority by omitting spiritual authority in their times of trouble. Because they want a certain outcome. They want a certain answer. They want to do it a certain way. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Jeremiah chapter 42. Are you there? Yeah, we're going to read this. Verse number 1. Listen closely. Then all the captains of the forces, and Johanan the son of Korea, and Jezaniah the son of Hosea, and all the people from the least even to the greatest came near. And said unto Jeremiah the prophet. So they're recognizing him as authority. Said unto Jeremiah the prophet, Let we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee. And pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk, and the thing that we may do. Then Jeremiah the prophet said unto them, I've heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord your God according to your words, and it shall come to pass that whatsoever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. So you hear that. They make the declaration. We want to hear from God. Jeremiah, go to God for us. Okay, we're going to do whatever you say do. Jeremiah, we're right there with you. Verse 5. Then they said to Jeremiah, The Lord be a true and faithful witness between us, if we do not even according to all things for the which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee. Now, you understand what they mean when they say good or evil. Good means comfortable. Evil means not so comfortable. That's all that means. God's not going to give you an evil message. Right? Verse 6 again, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord, our God, to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord, our God. And it came to pass after ten days that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. Then called he Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces which were with him, and all the people from the least even to the greatest, and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him if ye will still abide in this land then will I build you 
and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you, that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. But if ye say, We will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, No, but we will go into the land of Egypt, where we shall see no war, nor hear the sound of the trumpet, nor have hunger of bread, and there will we dwell. And now therefore hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus said the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, If ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt, and to go to sojourn there, then it shall come to pass that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there shall ye die. I'm, I don't know how much plainer he can make it. Stay, I got gotcha. you. Leave, trouble's going to follow you. But what did they say? Jeremiah, good or evil, we're going to do what God says. Chapter 43, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to them, even all these words, then spake Azariah the son of Hosea, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. We go through all this. God actually does speak, but you're going to do what you want to do. Now, here's the thing about it. When you go against the word of God, when you omit the word of God, who gets hurt? Who gets hurt? We saw over in 2 Kings chapter 1, God said, is it not because you couldn't see me? But because you trust in other things, let them save you. That's basically what he said. In other words, you're on your own. But maybe that's why. Again, maybe that's why people omit spiritual authority in their times of trouble. And for me, sometimes it's hard to imagine that. Because I'm thinking that would be the first place I run to. But you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. Long-time members. Seem to be committed members. And then you find out that they think, this might be part of it too. Maybe we start smelling ourselves and think we are better than we really are. Maybe we think we know as much as the spiritual authority. Maybe we think they have nothing else to offer us. See, we've stopped recognizing authority and we start looking at the person in authority. This is why you don't want to omit spiritual authority in your times of trouble. Look at this in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. This is interesting. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. This is Paul giving some instruction and some counsel to Timothy. And he says in 1 Timothy 5 and 23, Paul tells Timothy, drink no longer water. But use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. 
You say, Brother Martin, now why in the world are you using that scripture? What does that have to do with authority? What what does that have to do with the categories of violating authority? Well, well, here's the thing that gets me about this. I I know how some people want to drink, and drink if you want to. You don't try to use scripture to justify it. Don't get legal on me. See, because people will use this to say, you see, it's all right to drink wine. No, no, I, I I want you to understand this. Paul had to tell him this because evidently something in Timothy's understanding wouldn't allow him to do it. Evidently, Timothy had a hang-up here in his understanding. Remember, lean not to your own understanding. In his understanding, he's like, no, no, only water. I can only do water. But he's often sick. He said, no, 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 even in my often sickness, all I can do is water. See, he has, his understanding is a little bit off. And God wants to correct it. How does God correct that improper understanding? Timothy recognizes Paul as spiritual authority. And God gets a chance to correct his misunderstanding because he has a track record of submitting to authority. You're not hearing me, are you? You're not understanding. Some of you think you know some things, but you don't know like you think you know. And you're making decisions based off of your limited understanding and haven't settled yourself under the word of God. That is, under spiritual authority so that God can correct your misunderstanding. Sometimes, yeah, I'm I'm, going to read this the way I, I wrote it down in the notes. Again, this is not a scripture to justify drinking alcohol. I don't think all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable not for drinking, but for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished. Timothy was suffering because of his lack of understanding. And God wants Timothy to be well. And God, and God understands as long as Timothy has this misunderstanding, it won't be well in his body. Sometimes you need special guidance and direction that does not come from what you think you know. Sometimes you need special guidance. Special direction that does not come from what you think you know. Oh, I'm hearing all kinds of messages behind this. Because we come here and we think we know and we hear something. Oh, I've heard that before. But God is trying to correct some things. See, because what happens when we get that attitude, oh, I've heard that before. Now I'm not recognizing authority. It's possible that you can have some kink in your understanding. It's very possible. Uh, Now, I'm going to laugh at you because you laugh at others because you see others like, ah, they don't understand. And God is laughing at you like, ah, they don't understand. All right, because you think you know. You think you got it all together. You think you have all wisdom. You think you rightly divide every word. But it's very possible. That there's a kink in your understanding. And God who loves you 
doesn't want you to stay in that position because misunderstanding can be your hurt. He wants to correct that. How is he going to correct that? He has a house. And he has a line of authority through which he has determined to speak. And when you allow, when you recognize authority, when you refrain from rebellion, whether it be open, aggressive, whether it be silent, or whether it be omitting authority altogether, as long as you don't follow those paths, God can't correct the things that he needs to correct in your understanding, and he can impact and affect your life. This is just the intro. And I'm stopping right there. What's the intent? I want to make sure that we have a proper value of God's spiritual authority in his house. Proper value means I just don't need somebody to bless my child. I don't need somebody to be there when I'm sick. You know, in our mind, that's all they are. I need somebody to be there to, to do a funeral if I need somebody to do a funeral. You know, that's not properly valuing God's spiritual authority. Well, if I get married, I need to have a pastor marry me. That's not properly valuing God's spiritual authority. No, God, again, I, I just can't emphasize to you enough. You need to go back and read Second Samuel chapter 7. Again, that floors me every time. God, in essence, says, all I want to do is be good to you. All I want to do is be good to you. All I want to do is take care of you. Let me work that you benefit. Oh, he's good. And we don't recognize that he has put his goodness in a place of authority. When we get to that value system, then we start getting some things together. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.